everyone, and welcome to the High Sensitivity Gaming Podcast Special Edition Ooh. for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Forewarning for anybody that's going to be listening to this, I am going to be, and probably Craig, are going to be going into full spoilers for the remake. We aren't going to... Craig has mentioned he's not going to mention big spoilers from the uh, from the original. So right. I will say right now, if you do plan on playing this game at some point, you probably don't want to listen to this. Go and devote 40 hours of your time <laughs> and then come back the game and then come back and listen to this. Cause I feel like yeah. you'll have a, and come back right afterward too. Cause I know after I finished this game, I was up till 2 AM because my mind was so rattled <laughs> that with, with everything that was going on. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot going on in that game, specifically the last couple hours especially and just in case this is for whatever reason your first podcast uh with us i'm barry Uh, my name's craig and this is a special edition of the high sensitivity gaming podcast on our main one we usually do opinions on gaming and entertainment and movies and reviews on such things uh today is just fully about final fantasy 7 remake 2020 uh, oh, you know, 40 hours of my life devoted to a time, finished it, and uh, we, we both have a lot to say. Yes, that could be a title for the next game, Final Fantasy VII Remake 2020, 40 hours times two. Yes, exactly, <laughs> and, especially, and especially because Tetsu Nomura is the one working on it. He's mm-hmm. known for making convoluted titles for Kingdom Hearts. Right. You know, the, the next title for the Final Fantasy game will probably be a, a stunner. Yeah, I don't know if they do they go with Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. I feel like you have to. Yeah, uh, I, I I feel like that's the only way to do it because what are you gonna what else are you gonna call it? Uh, Desert Edition, <laughs> Open World Edition, Open World Edition. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> Open World Edition. The middle game, the one that's not as important. Yeah, or like <laughs> maybe they somehow do Part Two and then do a Slash Three, so that way people know that it's a trilogy, which I only hope this is. Yeah, it doesn't need to be seven games for Final think, Fantasy Seven. I think for me, three is going to be the max. I don't think we need any more than that. Yeah, I hope so too. All right, so start at the beginning. Well, first <laughs> off, what I just wanted to mention was our backgrounds with both of this series. Yep. Um, so for me personally, I know some spoilers for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, my first workings or you know seeing final fantasy 7 characters was through kingdom hearts where edgy cloud is in the hercules arena yep and kingdom hearts 2 where you know you get to see or no in kingdom hearts you do get to see yuffie and Aerith as well so i that's my first meeting of these actual people my only previous interaction with final fantasy 7 particularly is with final fantasy 7 crisis core mm-hmm. the final fantasy game for psp i finished that game it was i was young when i beat it so it's extremely impressionable i love that game to death i love zach fair <laughs> and you know this this game does do a decent amount to give people hey you love zach fair here's here he is he, he's right there right you know this is your this is your chance <laughs> so that's pretty much my only real working i never played the original and the remake is my first dealing with final fantasy 7 and these characters directly 
for Final Fantasy games. Uh, I've beaten Final Fantasy 13 2, then I beat 15, and then I've pretty much played Kingdom Hearts, which I know has nothing to do with Final Fantasy for the most part because the combat's completely different. Wasn't that, that's wasn't my uh, wasn't Sephiroth in Kingdom Hearts? One of them, right? That's no. Uh, so he's actually in a lot of them. He's yeah. he, he is the he's meant to be the secret hardest boss in Kingdom Hearts one and two. Okay. And never to say the let like least I beat them both. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's not many people. There's a lot of people that can say that, but I can say it with pride. <laughs> and I think I think him being the hardest boss in Kingdom Hearts really helped me like look forward to the ending of Final Fantasy seven because this remake does does a really good job of a final boss battle. That is that is for sure. Yeah. And, and much and much like the Final Fantasy seven games are known for. Yeah, and multiple final bosses. Um so my background would be Final Fantasy seven was one of the games I probably played the most. Uh, when I really, really started getting into games. I mean, I first started playing games when I was like five, but Final Fantasy VII hit when I was the right age. I had to beg my parents to get it. Uh, my mom was opposed to it at first because she thought it was too violent compared to other games that were out at the time and also games that are out today. It's very tame. But I, I don't know how many times I've played through Final Fantasy VII, the original. So there's a lot. Like, it's in burned into my brain and I expect a lot out of this game, and I got most of what I wanted so far. So that's my background. Perfect. So we have a diehard, you know, original, <laughs> right? And I'm the clueless one <laughs> in this in this matter. I guess this is payback for you not knowing anything about Persona Five. So yes. this is this is where you'll get to show your expertise. <laughs> I guess so, so. So where do you want to start off with? I have a bunch of notes. I have. Okay combat the bad the unexpected the good story and i imagine we're going to save the ending for later but right. where do you want to start i mean we can start at the top of your list if you want to start with combat sure so we're we're going just into a deep overview of this game and mm-hmm. you know i've already said in thursday's podcast that was released i said already it's a buy for me so People know that I already like the combat. It's a fun hybrid action sort of combat where you're really active in all of the physical moves. And then you once you fill up your ability gauge bar is what I'm going to call it. Uh, you can do special moves, whether it's signature abilities tied to that certain character or casting a spell or throwing a potion or calling a summon out. Uh, it's it's really fun for me. I uh, s- playing Tifa is a lot of fun. I really I was really surprised with how much fun Tifa's to play with. Yeah, Tifa's sure. Tifa's the brawler, so you get to be up close and personal with her. At least that's how I played her. I know some people have used her for magic use, but that kind of seems like a disservice to the way she was meant to be played. I mean, you're supposed to be getting up close, doing your power up and then hitting bigger moves which stagger and all that kind of kind of like a chain combo i think like the it was a good mix of what worked for final fantasy 15 and then what worked for kingdom hearts 3 they kind of combined the two into for me it was a good mixture of the two it felt very good to play it felt like you could get better at it as the game went on and switching between people and throwing off a spell or throwing off an ability then switching back was it felt really satisfying 
Yeah, and really with combat, like the the only real problems I had with it because the action oriented stuff is just tons of fun. But I feel like a lot of the times they don't really tell you how to get to certain things. For example, I didn't know how to get to stagger two hundred percent, even though it was one of the challenges from that kid that works with Shinra mm-hmm. that secretly wants to help you destroy Shinra. And I didn't know how to use linked materia. I didn't know how the elemental weapon thing worked. And I just wish there was a better job of explaining that. Yeah. Uh, because for me, who doesn't have any idea of how any of, of how, you know, previous of how Final Fantasy VII worked, I didn't know that in order to get the elemental damage on your sword, you need to have a linked materia slot with the elemental weapon and then certain el- insert certain element here to get a um to get that elemental weapon mm-hmm. and with with how fights go it can sometimes i and looking back at it i'm glad i didn't know because i would have hate to had you know a a blizzard elemented weapon and then end up fighting someone who's resistant to blizzard right um so i'm in the long run, I'm glad, but I just wish I would have. They would have explained that a little bit better. Yeah, that was one of the areas where they assumed that you've played the old one, so you know that. Um, it may have been something that was explained and buried in like a menu somewhere, but I didn't see it either. But for me, it was just something that I knew from beforehand. So I was like, "Oh yeah, link materia. I'm going to put you know fire on Cloud's sword, and then I'm going to put lightning on Barrett's gun, and." then we're good to go. But yeah, for somebody like you, you would have had no idea because it's not something they've really used since. I don't think they might've used it in final fantasy eight. I don't remember, but yeah, it it hasn't been used in a long time for sure. Yeah. And then really my last point on combat is uh, I really think what they did with like the weapon system was outstanding. I loved being able to use the buster sword because it's very iconic to me. Mm-hmm. especially since I've played Crisis Core and knowing how Cloud got the Buster Sword. Um, I wanted to play that weapon throughout the entire game. You can, but I feel like you're going to miss out on a lot of the special abilities that Cloud can do if you don't take the time to get your proficiency with the other weapons. And that goes with all the characters, too. Yeah, it was a nice upgrade from the original where you can upgrade every weapon just every time you level up is continuously upgrading and then you can pick where to spend your points so that if you want to keep using a specific weapon because you like the way it looks you can whereas in the old game that wasn't a thing but also you know if you wanted the abilities from the new weapon but you didn't like the weapon you didn't have to use it very long to learn the ability and then you could use it with any of the weapons which was a really nice addition from you know that was not a thing in the old games so um, go ahead. No, I'm, that was just for me, that was a huge, huge addition, being able to go back and use the Buster Sword or any other sword, really. And the fact that they took took the time to make sure that the cutscenes had the weapons in the cutscene that you had equipped, which was a nice touch. Yeah, except in the CGI rendered. <laughs> right, uh, right. Any CGI rendered scene, you had them with their with the weapon that, you know, they're known for, which I was OK with. In, yeah, in we honesty, we had discussed though that they didn't really need to do that because the in-game engine looked fine. Exactly, I you could almost barely tell the difference when yeah. they went from CGI. And sometimes I even think the scene where the plate is falling and you're riding on Barrett in <laughs> order to get uh, in order to get out of the way, 
mm-hmm. of the falling plate. I honestly thought that would have looked better, not in CGI. Yeah, but it's it's up to me. That's my personal preference. But the the game Final Fantasy VII remake looks absolutely stunning, and no matter how you look at it. Yeah, and there was probably only three or four CGI scenes, I think, that I can remember. Yeah, it was def. It wasn't definitely a lot, but uh, you know, the, as as beautiful as that game is all around the place, there were some points where a door wouldn't load for me. Like mm-hmm. it was just a blurry texture, which for that's a small price to pay for a game that does so much right. Yeah, and I think it's something else to say that me playing on a non PS4 Pro, just a base PS4, and it still looked fantastic is a pretty big achievement too. So I, I don't know how big of a jump there was. I don't I probably have to compare the two to see, but I still thought it looked great. Yeah, and I think for the and I think for the most part the game's meant to look good on this on specifically PlayStation for, you know, a year mm-hmm. until it comes out on Xbox. But for for sure that uh this this game I wonder how long it took to create some of these scenes, especially when we get toward the ending part. You know, if you want to know why this game was in development for such a long time, play the game. Right. Uh, whether it's Wall Market and that craziest scene ever that in a Final <laughs> Fantasy game or even in a game in general, I feel. Yeah. And um, that was that was the scene that I kept like I was waiting for you to get to that point. And the scene we're talking about is when you're going to get the uh the dress for cloud to dress up as a woman um and the scene where you're in the honeybee uh and you're dancing with the owner of the honeybee like i could not wait for you to get to that point because i knew like they didn't have a dance scene in the original you kind of went around and did stuff to get the dress but i knew as soon as i saw that that this was going to be something that would be it was absolutely ridiculous it reminded me of something you would see in like a yakuza game or a persona game and i knew you would appreciate it so i was like just waiting for you to get to that point (laughs) i after after listening to other people's opinions on the game a lot of people said it feels like the whole wall market area feels like a yakuza game yeah in a lot of ways it feels like somebody in one of the developers in square enix played yakuza and went yeah we have to get some of this crazy stuff going on in there yeah and that was the one area of the game that people were interested about before the game came out because if you go back to the original that whole section of the game and uh with dawn and trying to get tifa back has not aged well as far as some of the language that was used so some people were interested to see if they were just going to cut the whole thing entirely or if they were going to change a lot of things but they kept you know most of it and they definitely changed some of the the conversations. They omitted some stuff from the original that definitely doesn't need to be in there today. Yeah. So I think they handled it pretty well. Because whether or not you think it's cool or you think it's weird, it's an iconic part of Final Fantasy VII for sure. Yeah, especially. <laughs> and like my reaction to that scene was just like, first of all, it looked amazing. Yep. Like, And I can't tell you how many times before you start to believe me that this game looks utterly drop dead gorgeous at any point that you almost look at it. Uh, and it's, it's fun of one of, one of the things that I really came from the unexpected portion of my review portion here is becoming attached to cloud who to me seemed in kingdom hearts. He's just this super distant 
super, you know, edgy, you know, teenage boy. He's, mm-hmm. he's not a teenager, but he acts like one. And in a lot of, in a lot of ways, he starts out like that. You know, you're, he's talking to Wedge and, you know, my favorite line, I'm not your bro, bro. <laughs> and then, you know, and then, you know, goes ahead and jumps off in a parachute scene with Wedge. Mm-hmm. But this game is, it surprised me in so many ways, whether it's, you know, the the reaction of Cloud trying, like you can see in, I think, what is, what's the chapter when the plate falls? 14? Yeah, it's one of the later ones, yep. And maybe a little bit before that. So you can see on his face, like he's trying to show emotion uh, and due to the due to the mako in him and his personality in general he can't mm-hmm. and he's at least in, in my eyes i could try to see him try to get emotion through and for me and i didn't realize this at first but depending on the choices you make you get very different cutscenes in this game right F- for example after after you take barrett to antifa to Aerith's mother's house, Almira, is that her name? I'm pretty yeah. sure, or yep. something like that. You can get a cutscene that's extremely gripping with either Tifa or Aerith. I got Tifa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like that scene where uh, that scene is just, it's really done well. And, you know, I, I didn't expect to become attached to these characters as much as I did because Final Fantasy 13 2 and Final Fantasy 15 never made me feel this way about Final Fantasy characters but right. Cloud goes through a decent amount of development like and his harem of Jesse, Tifa and er- and Aerith are all really really flushed out characters and you know all gorgeous women of course. <laughs> yeah and obviously me having played the whole game a bunch of times I know the reason why cloud is the way he is at the beginning of the game, you know, why he's so distant and it's not something I want to put out there now because it's something that I would be utterly shocked if they didn't include in the future games in the remake. Cause it's his backstory. Um, so it was nice to see that they kept that and knowing his backstory kind of gives you a different side to why he's like that, that somebody like if like yourself who hasn't played, you'll get that later, you know? Um, but I might have to wait five years though. <laughs> right. Or you could just play the original, I guess. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm pretty close to playing the original. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm seriously considering it. <laughs> we got nothing else to play right now. So yeah, exactly. But, uh, before I go into all of the unexpected parts, I'm just going to go into the parts that maybe irked me about the game. This is my bad section. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to hear, you know the bad about this game then just skip this whole portion but every every game has its shortcomings and and even this one does too Mm -hmm. uh and my my first point is the short range weapons for barrett (laughs) why i i I, and i understand why it helps him like build up stagger and they're very powerful moves especially for when you're trying to get pressure on an opponent yep but when I got these weapons, I was climbing up the wall in chapter 15 and trying to get up to the top side of Midgar. And all of the enemies are flying, so he's useless. Mm-hmm. And it I, I really wish they're like they could have just made all of his weapons ranged 
it would have made it a lot easier to try to go and get all of those abilities. But those shortwave weapons for Barrett, I I don't understand how people use those <laughs> weapons in general. Now the the one the wrecking ball, which was the ball with the spikes on it, um, that's from the original game, and it's a viable weapon. It was in the original, uh, especially with the ability that you get in the remake, where for me, they do give it to you at the worst possible time, right? So they give it to you when you're fighting a lot of enemies that are in the air. So it kind of hinders him. But if you're fighting enemies that are on the ground, especially in my case, when he was using the wrecking ball and I had the first strike material on him, when you first go in and you start a battle, you had the ability to press triangle. And I'm blanking on what the name of his ability was with the wrecking ball. But it was the one where he would just kind of charge forward. Um, and if you were able to hit that, it did a bunch of damage. And then you could charge up his, uh, I forget, it was like a slam. Uh, I don't know if it was like power slam or something was his ability. That was, that was with the claw thing. Yeah, okay. That you learned that. So if you had those two abilities, um, I was finding that when I was going back and doing some side missions before you go over the wall, uh, he would wipe out pretty much anybody I was facing immediately with those two, you know, just going back to back with those abilities. So it's a viable thing as long as you're not facing somebody in the air. And that was the same thing with the original. You could use that weapon. But if again, if you're fighting a flying enemy, it would just miss. So they kept the spirit of it there and it does work. It's just them giving it to you at the wrong time wasn't didn't help. So maybe later in the next game or something like that, you might find that it's a better option. Uh, but as of right now, when you get to the end of the game, you just you had to put a ranged weapon back on him. There was no other choice. Yeah, and he does so well as a ranged character too. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, you, you know, you pretty much have the two close-ups in Cloud and Tifa, and then you know you have your one ranged character, which would either be Aerith or Barrett. Mm -hmm. And I didn't write this down, but I guess one of the things that I wasn't as popular about the game is like how many times you switch your party. Yeah. definitely makes it a little bit um, hard to plan for because for a large portion of the game, you don't have Aerith. You know, you give Aerith good materia. So I have to move all of my good materia from Aerith to Barrett, And then once Barrett leaves the party, you got to put it all back onto Aerith. Mm -hmm. And having to do all of that was um, especially in the, in the mo of in the Shinra headquarters, when you are doing, I guess, um, Hojo's, he is a scientist for Shinra. Mm -hmm. uh, like little experiment portion where you're flipping between Tifa and Aerith, Cloud and Barrett, and then Red Thirteen, who isn't playable but still a cool character for as for as much as I've seen. You flip around them just so much, yeah. And it wasn't. I I feel like that. F that particular section felt more like a chore. It didn't, uh, I think it didn't feel as fun as it was supposed to. Yeah. And I think too, when you look at that section again, coming from having played the original and one of the biggest things that would drive me nuts when I was playing that, the original was you would play with, you know, there was a lot of choosing the three that you want to use in the original. Like they gave you that option, which here in the remake, they don't. They just kind of go, hey, here's the three you're using. Here's until we decide to switch. In the original, you would pick your three. And one of the most frustrating things that I would find, uh, especially the first couple of times I played it, 
is I had my main three at the time was Cloud, uh, Barrett, and Red 13. And when I would get to certain points in the game where they would be like, hey, Cloud's not in your party, Aerith is. But in the original, if you didn't use the character, they didn't level up. So I'd be, you know, hey, Aerith's in your party now. Everybody else may be level 40, but guess what? She's level 20. So I appreciate that in this one, they level everybody up as you gain levels. Uh, So you're not running into that issue. And that was kind of something that was a thing in older RPGs where if you didn't, you know, they weren't going to give you levels if you weren't using them. But I was expecting that whole game to get the option to choose who to put in my party, but they'd never give it to you. And maybe they will in the next one when you get more characters. But it was kind of a bummer not to be able to choose. Yeah, and then my final point in the uh, not-as-good section is, uh, and we talked about it before, the Materia Summoning, I really liked the two main ones that I knew, which was going to be Ifrit and Shiva. I feel like both of them were really good summoning tools. Those are the main two I used. Fat Chocobo and Chocobo and Moogle, and I didn't (laughs) even get to use the Cactar due to my own stupidity. Mm -hmm. Uh they both feel like gimmicks. They uh, they don't feel as epic or even as fun as Ifrit and Shiva. And I know now that you've told me, in the original, there were there are a lot of summoning materials, whether it's Odin mm-hmm. or three different versions of Bahamut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yep. There was there's quite a few, and again, I'm assuming that they're gonna add that into the later games. My main problem with the summons for me though, though was that you didn't get to use them very much because they pretty much tell you that like, Hey, they're really only going to come out in boss fights. So you or just when they feel like you're playing a worthy opponent. Right. Unquote. Right. Where in, in, in the original, it was just kind of like, Hey, once it was ready to go, once it hit the meter, you were good to go and you could summon. So I, that I wasn't a big fan of cause you know, I, you saw, I saw Shiva and Ifrit and, fat chocobo and the regular chocobo a lot i didn't have cactar because i didn't have the pre-order bonus um and then i never got bahamut on my playthrough because you have to do i I forget what you have to do but there's like a certain thing it may be all the 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 kids from shinra's tasks that he gives you i think you have to do all of those and then fight bahamut to get it which i didn't do all of those um so i just i felt like ifrit and shiva were the two that you saw and then the other ones were, I saw maybe two or three times. I think I saw Fat Joke about twice. Yeah. So you definitely, I definitely want to see them more in future games. Make it more of a viable thing. Because I, I had enough summoning material that I put one for each party member. And did never change them. I just kept them all. But not, not being able to use them in normal battles was a bummer. Even if it's just yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, and how it worked out for me is you, there. there's a certain point in the game where you are playing with Aerith and Barrett, just those two, and my summoning material for both of them was either Fat Chocobo or regular Chocobo and Moogle. <laughs> yep. And I just re- I, I hated making that choice because I didn't want either of them. I wanted Ifrit or Shiva, which you uh, because because those Chocobos they don't they don't feel as epic. They don't feel as um like when you're summoning something it's meant to you know either turn the tide of the entire you know battle Mm -hmm. or it's supposed to be this awesome cool thing that you know you're in awe by and for the most part 
when I had the two chocobo things, it's just like, all right, I got, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to use one of them and <laughs> yep. threw out fat chocobo. I only use the chocobo and the right and the fat one once. I never use them any more than that. I didn't mind the regular chocobo that, you know, when, once you, once their time limit runs out, they all have a final move that they do. The ending move for the regular chocobo was fine. I didn't mind it because it has like a whole bunch of chocobos run, run at the enemy and it does a bunch of damage. But the fat chocobo was pretty much worthless. It was just it, de- it definitely was a gimmick for sure. Yeah, <laughs> there's other ones that they could have pulled from the original that would have been so much better. And I can only think that they just want to save them for later is my guess, because, again, like you said, you have Odin. Um, there's just a bunch that would have been so much better. The Knights of the Round Table would have been cool, but I guess we'll see if they come later. Yeah, and then just like a certain those certain moon drives that were uh, like resistant to magic and then <sighs> resistant to physical. Yep. Like if if you didn't have like the correct material on you, you would face those things forever. And like they they just weren't as fun. I know there are certain battles that are meant to be you know hard and challenging, and then certain battles that are just annoying. Yep. Luckily, there's really only two points in the game where you're facing these certain types of moon drive enemies that have these resistances and can and can really piss you off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just a small thing, but I, I'm actually really interested to hear about like maybe maybe not the bad, but more the miss the missteps the game took for you with knowing how with knowing how much you care about the original <laughs> game. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot that I hated um, the summoning thing was a bummer um as far as like the enemies go they did a good job of bringing the majority of the ones over that i cared about uh, we had both talked about the the house i guess you would call that a boss battle yeah um, i think yeah i think it's yeah. a boss battle i think you can even summon so the game yeah. considered a boss battle right and that was great to see that again because that was that was just an enemy that would randomly appear uh at, for no reason like it was just all right i'm fighting a house and it was nice that they took the time to bring that back and i know i have heard that some people didn't like that battle but for me seeing that house which was had no business being in the original game but they put it in anyway and seeing it you know look good instead of just a pretty much a square with a triangle on top in the original (laughs) (laughs) it was cool so like all those all the enemies pretty much are from the original and there wasn't really any that got left out that I was bummed about. Um, the the intro, I mean, I'm trying to think of anything bad because most of it's good and I don't want to jump into the good yet. But yeah, I think just the summon is probably the only thing. There was some of the side quests were tacked on, as I think, as filler. Finding the cats was annoying in the yeah. whatever chapter For, that was. That was like chapter two or three. Yeah. That one I wasn't a fan of. We had talked, uh, not on the podcast, the last group of side quests that you do before you go over the wall. Uh, I I hit that point and I was really chugging along in the game and I was having a ton of fun and I was looking forward to playing it every day. And I got to that point when they're like, hey, you have some side quests to do. And once you get, you know, this certain area, you're not going to be able to go back and do them. So if you want to do them, make sure you do them. And when I looked at them all, I was like, man, this is, I don't know if I want to go all the way around the map again to get all these done. So I kind of put it off and I stopped playing for a couple days because I just was not in the mood to do these side quests. But when I finally sat down and did it and realized that a lot of the side quests 
kind of bundled together and you kind of do them all at once. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but they do throw a lot at you right before the end there. They're like, hey, here's 10 more side quests. Have fun. (laughs) Yeah, especially considering like everything that happened with the chapter before all that where the plates falling, you know, you're and everybody having, you know, these really emotional points. They Mm -hmm. you think you'd want to get right back into it. You want to get right back into and hit them with the story. Yep. But instead, they're like and they ask you, I think, at least four times. Are you sure you want to go up this wall? You're not <laughs> yeah. coming back. Yep. Hey, are you really sure you want to climb this wall? Yep. And then because it, I I had only done about half the quests and then I went there and on the fourth time I finally went, you know what? I'm just going to do these side quests. <laughs> yeah, um, they really want you to do them. And I hope that it's not something like you have such strong momentum from the story going into that point where you're going to go over the wall and you're going to go to Shinra and you're going to get Aerith back. And then in in front of all that, and you're getting ready to do what you know is the last part of the game. And they're like, hey, I know you're ready to do the end of the game here, but could you help me find my lost chocobos real quick? <laughs> it's just like a mood killer. And it just stopped me from playing for a couple of days. And I hope it did, it's not something that would, for somebody who's not as invested, be like, well, I'm done with this game. I don't think it would, but I you never know. Yeah, and at some point, like, I'm definitely glad I did those quests because I feel like it allowed me to feel a lot stronger coming into those final boss battles Mm -hmm. when getting that XP. But if I can't imagine not doing any of those side quests, going up and doing all the final boss battles, like, that has to be hard. Yeah. Um, And and we, I was playing, and I think we both played on normal difficulty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, without those levels up, without getting those levels up and maybe doing all of the proficiency stuff I did during that time with all the weapons, I feel like it could have been a lot harder. And yeah, some of the quests are, are, you know, a a drag. I really, I really wasn't a big fan of, um, the, the Don, uh, like the Don's certain stuff to where, you know, you're trying to find his three separate, uh treasure vaults oh yeah and you know like i knew where one was and then i knew where another one was but then you're tracking all around the map to find these things yeah those i had to look up because i I did not want to take the time to try and find them and what was funny is uh when you first get when you first do the whole storyline with um with the don and his and i guess his ex lackey who took his wife from what i understand yeah don took his girlfriend or fiance yeah i i pulled that switch and saw the drain like the water going down that drain and i was like oh what's that for but then you're going up the stairs and you're done with the mission so there's nothing really prompting you to go back there until Mm -hmm. you do this you know angel of the slums mission where you have to help that girl that is stupid and uh it's the one that's the spreading the rumors and then like ask for five gil each yeah uh for that i was was she a major part in the or was like did she no. have a bigger role no in, okay <laughs> yeah was she was she even named in i don't remember her from the game at all the original okay. game so i don't know if she was an added character or maybe i just totally spaced out about her i'm not sure but she was kind of she seemed very unnecessary uh, other other than being the the daughter right of, yes, the, of, the daughter. of the angel um t- it just seemed like 
okay, that really wasn't needed at all. <laughs> yeah. And so then that pretty much does it the bad for, you know, the bad for both of us really with all of that, like the, what I wanted to focus on next was kind of the unexpected and what really surprised me in this game. And for the biggest surprise for me is how, what's the decisions you make and how they change the game in general, whether it's how you say Tifa should dress decides what dress she wears. Mm -hmm. Certain things you say to Aerith decides what she's wearing. And there are three different dresses and cloud can have three different dresses. Right. So you have all that on top of that, after the plate falls, you have an emotional scene with either Tifa or Aerith, as far as I can tell. And they're both very good. Like I didn't know that there was an Aerith scene until I was watching a YouTube video and found out. And it's, after watching that, I was like, damn, it's really good. Like that mm -hmm. is a, both of these scenes deserve to be in the game. And the way they decide it is with how you just, you choose your answers. Right. And then yes. even in the, uh, and sorry, even no, in the final boss battle where you're, and I'm not going to say who the final boss battle is yet. We'll get into that later, but apparently the game decides based on your play style and who you like playing with decides your party. So I had Tifa and Aerith because I liked playing with those two, but there are other people that got Barrett instead of Aerith. And I think the game making these decisions for you just shows how much like in the background this game is doing in order to make sure like, you know, moments like that in the final boss battle, you aren't trying to switch out your member because you don't like that member. The game is trying to, the game knows what you want and it's going to give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice little addition that they did that something they didn't have to do. Um, and again, probably why it took so long is all these little things that they put in there, but it's stuff you can tell that, you know, they really liked the original game and they wanted to do it justice. So I appreciate all this little stuff that they did. I don't, that being said, I don't think I'm going to go back and get all of the dresses and do all that nonsense, but who knows? Maybe I will, but I, it seems like a chore. I'm going to stick yeah, with the, my decisions. <laughs> yeah, it's, it seems like a lot of work. Like, I know you'd have to replay the chapters and everything like that. I, mm -hmm. don't, I wouldn't want to do that either, me personally. <laughs> uh, let's see. Anything else surprise you? I'm trying to think if anything surprised me besides that. So, oh, the, so the other surprising parts are more in my ending feature as well, which when mm -hmm. we get to the ending, then we'll start talking about like all of all of the ending stuff that happens, which is a lot and a, and a majority of this podcast, probably. <laughs> yeah, but uh, th that was that was the only thing that really was surprising and unexpected and forced me to go onto YouTube to watch those other scenes. Yeah, going to YouTube is a lot easier than trying to go back and play through it all to get different stuff. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'd rather see the pictures of all three of all three of their versions of their dresses without having to play the game all over again. Yep. Um, trying to think. For me, the beginning of the game, if you go all the way back there, was done extremely well. That first invasion into the reactor was very close to the original. The intro, intro, like the beginning CGI, was like spot on almost shot for shot, which was great. Um, and then just that whole intro section, even down to the mini boss battle, I guess you would call it that you fight before you get out of the reactor before it explodes. Um, being able to decide 
how long you want to put on the timer, the bomb that was from the original. So you could tell that they wanted to make a very good first impression for everybody who had played it before and, but still add some things in there. So the intro to me was fantastic. And obviously we played it twice because they put the demo out and then the game came out and we played it again, but I didn't mind playing it again because it was done so well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like it's still, even though we had played the beginning part of that game, like that didn't feel like a chore, like some of the other side quests in the game. And I feel like for me, that kind of goes to the next portion of what I want to talk about was the story. And there's not much to say. We've we've said a lot of about certain points in the game and everything like that. But the um, the story is a typical Final Fantasy thing where at the end you're facing, you know, supernatural beings (laughs) and, you know, you're practically facing gods. Yeah. And the. The point where you climb the wall, I really wish it said like, okay, you're about to go into the last six hours of the game because you just kind of, if you climb that wall, not knowing that there is no other going back to the slums, you may like miss out on something you might've thought important, which I guess this is why, which is why they ask you four times. They're trying to check the wall, (laughs) but it, it was really, uh, I feel like a lot of people could miss out on stuff just based on, you know, the momentum of the story from there. You just want to keep going. You don't want to stop. I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, And then, uh, and then from there, like, I really did like the whole like avalanche team chapter you got with Jesse Mm -hmm. wedge and Biggs. There, I feel like they're all like all three of them were pretty diverse characters, and I liked them, which made their deaths, quote unquote, more, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, a lot more worth it. Like, I really like Jesse as a character, but I also mm-hmm. like that she's a flirt. Like, that's just me. Yep. Uh, I uh, and I didn't even know there's a different scene with her where you know she either kisses Clad on the cheek or they have like friendly banter between each other. Yeah. And now that I mentioned banter, I should also mention like I've apparently the best part of this game was the banter between them walking up the 56 flights of stairs. It was pretty good. <laughs> and again, had... that's not that's not something that for for you having not played the original, you wouldn't know, but for everybody who has played before, when they give you that option, like, hey, here's the elevator, but hey, you know, we could take the stairs to be stealthy. And that's how they worded it in the original. All of us who have played it are immediately going, oh, shit, they're doing the the stair scene. And it was fantastic just hearing Barrett complain for every flight you go up. And, you know, when you start, just like in the original game, you're running up the stairs and you're going and you're going and then Tifa passes you and you're trying to catch up. And Barrett's obviously behind all of you. And then as you start going up, Cloud starts getting slower and slower, and then eventually Barrett passes you. But it's it was great. It's just a, a lot of Barrett complaining. Once you get about five floors from the top is when Barrett says that he wants to go back down, which is hilarious. But yeah, it's it's it was definitely a nod to the old game, which I loved. And of course, I was like, yeah, I'm taking the stairs. <laughs> Yeah, like I had no idea that that was such a different thing because I had to go, I had to go on YouTube to watch the stair scene, and it was so, it was so much fun. Yeah. And I didn't hate the elevator scene either. You know, you got to do a couple battles, which I liked, mm-hmm. and then you scare the crap out of some poor assistant, 
right. in the elevator. And then there's the guy who's too busy talking to his mom on the phone to <laughs> yep. even recognize that you, Tifa, and Barrett are in the back of the elevator like, please don't talk to me. Please don't notice me. Please don't <laughs> alert the guards. Uh, it, it definitely wasn't as funny as the stare scene, but I had no clue. Like, mm-hmm. and that's that's going to say, you know, how much this game tries to appeal to all of the older fans with all of the callbacks and yep. some of the newer ones where, you know, I, I'd love to see if there was some sort of survey with how many between people who played the original and didn't, how many of the originals took the steps and how many of the people who didn't took the elevator. Yeah. And I think too, when you're coming near the end, when you're coming back down and they have like the cut scene where you're coming down the elevator, I think it was Barrett and Aerith and then the big, ridiculous uh i don't even know what i forget what they call it is in the elevator next to you um and then you fight it down on the ground floor i can't remember what it's called but you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah it's yeah. a big machine gun type yeah. turret type yeah. tank thing and then the original when you're coming back down the elevator if i'm remembering correctly it's been a couple of years but you have that boss battle as you're going down the elevator and you know you have barrett and Aerith, so you know, they have ranged attacks, but I was kind of bummed. I was like, oh, I don't get to have that elevator boss battle. It's just going to happen down at the bottom. But um, at least they put it in the cutscene as a kind of a nod. But, that you know, that was the only I guess that would be a bummer for me. But again, if you didn't know the original, it wouldn't matter. So it's just probably me being picky. <laughs> yeah. And then other kind of unexpected stuff for the story is like near the end, you find out that Avalanche isn't just tifa jesse biggs wedge and barrett mm-hmm. it's apparently this entire organization which for me there is no like there's no forewarning that this is a bigger group that <laughs> there are bigger people calling the shots if you, you if you go back um right after you do the mission where you go to uh jesse's mom's house yeah and then you eat pizza and then you go to the i forget where you're going but you're going to get stuff for the bomb and when you're fighting everybody and then you get rescued by the other group that comes in, mm-hmm. um, they mention that very short. It's a very short and very in passing. I think it's Biggs who says something to Cloud because Cloud asks him something. And he's like, yeah, that's the other section of Avalanche or whatever. Um, so they do kind of mention it, but it's very quick and in passing. Yeah, I just didn't, uh, I guess I didn't notice that because I just assumed they were Wu-Tai. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like somewhere they like mentioned, you know, I guess the security guards probably mentioned, oh, it's Wu-Tai. And I'm like, oh, okay, so there's another group that's doing the same thing you guys are doing, but it... Yeah, there's, it there's the other groups of Avalanche, and that was one of them when they come in and kind of rescue you there, but they don't, they look at Barrett's group of avalanche is kind of extreme i guess Obviously. yeah so and, and i guess that's what's that, that's something that i never really got to to process all the way mm-hmm. and for me then you know it's i have half a page dedicated to the ending of course <laughs> so i guess before, yeah before you get to that the uh yeah yeah for me the seventh heaven tifa's bar was great being able to see that recreated in something that you can actually tell what everything is. Uh, the only down downfall to seventh heaven for me was you don't get to go on the uh, pinball machine and go down below and see their secret headquarters. 
it's kind of a bummer because you do get to go down there in the original game and I was looking forward to it and then it just never happened. So that was, I just remember that and I was like, oh yeah, that was a bummer, but it's not super important to the story, but it would have been cool to be able to go down there and see. Yeah. It would have been a nice callback. Yeah. Um, of course to, to people who have played the original and I, before we get into the ending portion, like I, I want to know your thoughts on the whispers in in general yeah. because everything i've heard about is you know the whispers are you know you know fight you know they're trying to keep everybody on the right path toward destiny you know the way things are supposed to end you've now defeated them but then i've also heard these whispers are kind of a metaphor for the developers on how like kind of how the whispers are always in the main character's face mm-hmm. how the whispers kind of act as like the the audience who's playing the game going you know oh hey you know all of the backlash that was like oh you know you have to make this game perfect and everything like that right so i, I just want to know your opinion on the whispers just because there's a there's a lot about the whispers that <laughs> some people are angry about it I guess angry and it also changes up a like a lot of this game and in the end I think in the end I think this game is almost going to be a completely different thing from the original. Yeah. I mean I didn't mind the whispers, the dementors, I guess if you want to call them that. Um I, I think you know that the main ending from the original game is still there. It's still possible. They haven't changed anything in my mind that could prevent them from you know, doing what was originally the ending from Final Fantasy seven. Um, and again, I don't want to put that out there for people who haven't played it like yourself, but they they haven't done anything irreversible. So I didn't mind the whispers. They were fine. It's just an addition that I was like, oh, OK, they're, that's what they're doing. That's that's fine. Uh, we have to wait and see where they decide to go with the ending. I think some people had issues with you fighting Sephiroth early. But again, that was an issue of, you know, it's a separate game now. So you have to have a final boss battle and obviously it's going to be him. So I understand why they did that as well. So I I didn't have an issue with either. Yeah. And with mentioning that Sephiroth is the is the final uh, boss battle of the game, we'll start going into the ending, which Mm -hmm. is. uh, And I will say after beating this game, my mind was like a a pretzel. It was in a knot. Uh, because like one that boss uh you i feel like you could have ended the game with the whispers boss battle i found that a lot of fun yeah uh the fact that you're facing three different you know hard bringers of death and you know they confuse to become a bahamut yeah uh and they're you know they have certain weaknesses and everything like that with them I just, uh, f- I feel like you could have ended it there, but then that that boss battle with Sephiroth was just so much fun. Yeah. Uh, and they they make it really flashy. You know, the, the final sequence when you're about to hit Sephiroth before, you know, him and, him and Sephiroth, you know, do a brain blast and go to the edge of creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing where, you know, Aerith fights off the, you know, the the meteor strike and you know clouds making his final push to go and hit sephiroth it was it was really like climactic like that that was the peak of my excitement with that game right and just taking that sephiroth battle like preventing the meteor strike meteor strikes a big part of the end of final fantasy 7 so yeah. a little nod there also 
I guess as a little insight into the game, there are, at least in the original, there are multiple Sephiroths. So you may not have been fighting the right one, too. So just to throw that out there, I know people who are upset about fighting him so early. There's more than one. So they could go that way if they want to. Um, so the, the ending boss battle with him was great. I thought it was a ton of fun. It looked cool. It gave you that moment where you felt like you had ascended and just became all powerful and were just beating the ever living crap out of them. So nothing on my end. And maybe I, maybe I wouldn't be considered a final fantasy seven purist then if I'm not upset about it, but it was fun. So we'll see where they go. Yeah, and I feel like with how Final Fantasy has done it now, like I feel even more so than ever, people know who Sephiroth is more than they know who Cloud is. Right. And people are get people are going to play this game to, you know, fight Sephiroth. And I feel like you have to give it to those people who have never played this game mm-hmm. but want the the impact of fighting a, a boss like Sephiroth cuz in the Kingdom Hearts games, he is a secret boss that is the hardest boss in the original kingdom hearts one and two i'll specify that because the re the the re-releases are a completely different story but right like when i'm fighting him i'm thinking of him as okay this is the hardest boss that i have to fight and really the only portion that of the boss fight that i didn't like and this goes for all the bosses is the fact that they conveniently have cutscenes when I'm about to get their stagger bar <laughs> all the way up to full after I save all three of my limit breaks to do this crazy awesome damage yep. to then have them bail out in a cutscene whether they reach half health or not. <laughs> yeah, uh, and going back before the Sephiroth fight, before all that nonsense, uh, on top of the Shinra Tower, and... It's been a little bit since I beat the game now, the remake, but did they kill the president or not? I couldn't remember. So he dies at the hand of Sephiroth. Okay, yep. I was thinking about that today, and I was like, I know in the original Sephiroth kills him, but I couldn't remember if they did that the same or not because it's all blending together. But, you know, that's still there then to set up Rufus, right? His son taking over and setting him up for the later games. And then you also have the other Shinra employees that you had fought throughout the game that I would assume will be coming back as well. They should. So you have this huge cast of enemy characters and there's still other ones they haven't used. So, you know, they've, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways they can go and still appease everybody. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that, you know, leave the fans wanting more. I want to know more about Rufus because literally they dump you on him. Right. Uh, just real at, quick yeah at a <laughs> at at a weird time and they're just like okay go ahead and fight the president's kid now mm-hmm. and and i was telling you that not on the podcast but i almost ultimately would have preferred to fight reno and rude like 2v1 mm-hmm. again because i really liked fighting them I, I have more of a like i know more about those two than i did about rufus yeah but then i guess if they don't introduce him now there's not going to be as big of a a thing for him in the later game whatever his thing is yeah he's gonna be i mean they have to introduce him because he should if they're sticking to the story be just become a giant pain in the next game or two so they have to at least throw him out here so you're conscious of who he is um the president who sephiroth kills kind of you know 
sits back and lets you do whatever you want for the most part um, in this game. And then Rufus is the one who's more aggressive. Uh, so I, that, it looked to me like that's what they're doing. They're setting him up to be like, hey, fight this guy once just so you know who he is. And obviously he gets away and expect him a lot more of him later. Yeah, and his his boss battle didn't feel like that uh, that good that good as well. I'm glad right. that wasn't the final boss battle because <laughs> because it, at that point I'm like waiting. Okay, when is this final boss battle? And a part of me was like, Oh, is this it? Like, is this the final boss battle? Please tell me it's not. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it wasn't. No, there's uh, the game six could... more bosses to get through. <laughs> exactly, and and I was happy with that, and and the and the weird motorcycle cutscene, which. I didn't mind, but it definitely is not as fun as I thought. I actually probably would have preferred Roche to yeah. showed back up because yeah. he was so much more of an interesting character. <laughs> I will say this too, and you may take offense to this, but Final Fantasy VII, the last, you could call that a boss rush, I guess, right? Those last however many bosses you do. Take note, please, Kingdom Hearts. That's how you do a boss rush, not how you did it in Kingdom Hearts 3. See, and I like the one in Kingdom Hearts 3. Okay, all right. So you're going to call me out. And I am because I hated it. It was just, oh, man, it was. I could not take it in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yep. I won't hate you on it. You know, everybody has their tastes. Yep, that's true. Uh, but uh, but we're not going to get into that discussion here because then it's going to be a three-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> Pros and cons of Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy. Well, the final boss sequence especially. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I guess we're going to start getting into what this now, the ending, how it changes things. Because mm-hmm. for for the most part, everything I'm hearing says that this Sephiroth is a different one from the original game. So it means a completely different thing apparently and on top of that you know best boy zach fair uh (laughs) the uh from crisis core yeah in in his original game he dies giving cloud his buster sword to protect you know and tells him you know protect your dreams you're my living legacy and then he ends up dancing uh in (laughs) in wall market yeah so but in in this game it seems like this weird alternate reality thing where Zach is taking cloud and walking like limping back to Midgar with him. So a part of me is really interested to see if they're going to start getting into multiple timelines. And this, I'll say this first, this is a trademark like Tetsuya Nomura, the director of kingdom hearts directing this game thing where his writing is just everywhere. And I, I really hope, because one thing I, I will admit right now is that the, the story isn't as confusing as Kingdom Hearts. No. Let's not yeah. make it co- as confusing as Kingdom Hearts. So right. that's that's really the only thing I'm worried about for the future is, one, I want to know, is Zack alive or what's this alternate timeline thing that's going on? Mm-hmm. And what – and is was it just for fanfare or was it to actually um like build upon something now zach is there in uh the original final fantasy uh they do a whole flashback thing with cloud and zach so he was a known character back in the day he was just not an important one well i mean he's important but not as important as he was after they gave him his own game pretty much but yeah i don't know where they're going with the whole zach carrying cloud back thing i i have no idea (laughs) i i don't know it seems like they're 
making it more complicated than it needs to be. I do kind of feel like my hands are tied as, as far as like, oh, this is what they're doing with this because I don't want to ruin stuff for later games. Okay. So it does, it does tie my hands a little bit, but Zach was there in the original and obviously they're going to keep him around. So that's, that's good. Yeah. And I know like Aerith says Zach's name once, but mm-hmm. you don't hear it because Zach, sorry, cloud is starting to have like he starts having his headache thing yep where i think something with you know during when cloud gets the buster sword he's going through mako sickness Mm -hmm. so he probably doesn't remember everything and i know there's this whole thing where cloud is pretty much completely forgotten about zach and even thinks of himself as zach right or something like that from what I understand from the videos I was watching. So I don't, I don't get all of that just yet. And hopefully in later titles, I will. Yeah. The, the, the thing in the background is when Zach's, when Zach's um, cutscene is playing and when he's about to fight all the Syndra shoulders, there is all of those whispers in the back of Midgar, which doesn't happen in the original game either. Mm -hmm. And then you see the whispers being destroyed as you destroyed them uh, in in the remake that you're playing. So I I really have no idea what <laughs> and that's why my after finishing the game I was so confused because a lot of it is just I have no idea what's going on. And let's be honest, in typical square, you know, RPG fashion, they probably won't even explain it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they will and it'll just make it even more confusing. Um I mean, there's an angle that I think they're going for that would tie in. But again, I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> so okay. I yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing with Zach and Cloud and having everybody on separate planes, I guess, where they can't see each other or if there's two versions of Cloud or if that was a flashback. I'm assuming that was a flashback. It, it would okay. almost ha- it would almost have to be because obviously, you know, it, tying in crisis core and tying in the flashback from final fantasy seven that looked like that's what they were going for, I guess. But I don't know why that was put in there randomly at the end, unless they're trying to say that cloud is starting to remember. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I know like, and around the ending time, you know, you find out that Biggs isn't dead anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fake out death pretty much you then have wedge who we have no idea what happened with him he just gets carried away by the whispers yep and um like as far as we know jesse's dead but yeah. at this point you brought back two of the characters um and i'm pretty sure everybody liked jesse more than those two bigs <laughs> and wedge combined yes so um it i, I don't know and I don't know how the the original ends, of course. I don't know how this impacts everything in the game. But I do know, oh, excuse me, from mm-hmm. everything that uh, I've been reading and listening to, you know, the next big part that everybody's really excited for is like the reimagining of the gold saucer scene, yep. apparently. <laughs> um, and I've only seen a little bit. I think it's like a dance or something like that that they're doing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've only seen like a five second clip, so I have no idea what it actually is. And I'm trying not to spoil myself on that. <laughs> I mean, you got a long time before the next game probably comes out anyway. And I would assume 
before the next game comes out, you would at least attempt probably to play the older game because you'll want to know. <laughs> but yeah, if you can really hold out that long, it would be a good, a good little surprise for you. Yeah, and and we'll see. Uh, you know, I have a PlayStation Classic, so we'll see whether yep. or not I can get it. And of course, like the Final Fantasy VII is like on. You can get it on Switch. You can yeah. get, you know, you can get the original on Switch. I should say you can't get the remake on Switch. Right. But uh, in the end, you know, this this game is and it, and it's weird saying it, but after you know about a month of 150 hours plus of JRPGs that I've played, you know, Persona 5 Royal and Final Fantasy 7 are like top four, I'm pretty sure, just yeah. to narrow it down in my list already. Top and, four for the year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure without a doubt, unless uh, unless like Cyberpunk and Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us 2 are all these incredible games uh, that like, that knocks, that start to knock, you know, some of the other stuff down it's uh i'm i'm really excited and happy that i got into final fantasy 7 this way mm -hmm. uh playing this instead of trying to beat the original which probably would have aged itself to me very easily right. uh it's it, it coming from someone who's new and didn't know that much about the original but did play a prequel i had a lot of fun this this game is so much fun yeah i mean this game's sitting at the top right now for me for the year um, but I don't looking back, I was just trying to go through and see what else came out this year. I don't feel like there's been a ton of other games this year so far. And it's kind of remains to be seen what games actually come out the rest of this year. Cause it could end up being pretty light, but I think it's safe to say that this will end up somewhere on my top 10. I don't think it'll get pushed out unless we just get surprised by a lot of stuff, but it should be pretty safe in my top 10 for the year. Yeah, and the one thing I still wanted to ask you, and I know you say your hands are tied, mm -hmm. but with, particularly with how after how this game ends, like the moment you finish this game, you finish the game, did you feel like this was going, like that this game is going to completely go off the rails? Or do you think that they're going to try to stick somewhat similarly to the story of the I original? I still think they're going to stick to it. I don't think they've done anything that prevents them from doing that. Um, you have your main characters. Sephiroth obviously is your main villain. Um, all the other villains are still there and the characters are still pretty much set up. So I don't see a any reason why they wouldn't stick to the same ending. They may deviate a little bit, but it's still there. I mean, stuff was mentioned, you know, Sephiroth trying to bring in a meteor when you're fighting him is a big indicator as far as how they're going to go for the rest of the game. I mean, yeah. there's a meteor in the picture for the title. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing. So I don't think they're going to deviate from it. They they can't. It Like I said, it's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really deviate when the meteor is in the title. You can't just not do it. So, okay. I mean, again, not giving away anything, but Sephiroth bringing in a meteor is his main plan to take from the planet right the life force yeah. from the planet and then obviously barrett and avalanche are all about saving the planet so that's your main you know the bad and good side of it so that's still there they set it up very well and 
Uh, and like one of the other things I did want to ask you is, do you think they're going to stick to this similar party system only because, as you mentioned to me before, and I know some of these characters just from mm-hmm. playing Kingdom Hearts, but do you think they're going to stick with like the similar party system where they kind of tell you who you're going to be with? It, or do you think they're going to have to start letting you pick because there's five other lot. characters that yeah. are going to be? Yeah, I I would like for them to let you pick. But I would not be surprised if they don't let you. I could see them scripting it out so that you're just playing with whoever they feel like fits for the situation that they put you in. And they could do it and not ruin anything. Uh, so I would, I'm going to say I'm like 75% sure that they pick for you the whole time. Okay. But we'll see. I, I Hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, and hopefully, like, I know I know from the open world section portion of the game, a lot of people said that, you know, that's what get, got them, like, that's what stopped them from finishing Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Of yep. The original, because it was such a deviation mm-hmm. from the from the portion of Midgar. So I'm hoping that they, they do it right and, you know, keep people interested in everything that they're doing mm-hmm. uh, with this. And this... This open world section really intrigues me. Uh, yeah. With uh, just with the potential for how bad everything could go, but the potential for <laughs> how they could, you know, completely, you know, redo everything with this game and, you know, may, and make it, you know, this hopefully what is a trilogy, a true classic. Yeah. I think in the original, there was times where they would, you know, you knew what you were supposed to do in the open world areas, but you didn't know where you were supposed to go. So it ended up being, at least for me, some trial and error, like going back to different areas and walking around trying to figure out. And I that would not be an issue nowadays because every game is pretty much holding your hand as far as telling you where to go. And they put up the big like, hey, head here to do the next section. And I would assume they would do that too. And at least for me, that would get rid of some of the headache I had from the open world section. Okay. So I don't think it'll be a problem. Yeah. But uh, other than that, like I've said, my closing thoughts on this game, you know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's totally a buy. Yep. Um, play this game. If you're even remotely interested in, in RPGs. And if you just want to get stuck in a story, that's pretty good for the most part. And seeing cloud dances, worth probably 60 bucks <laughs> i would say too even if you're not an rpg fan because i mean let's face it not everybody's an rpg fan final fantasy 7 is what put me down a hole of playing pretty much nothing but rpgs on the original playstation and i think this is again another good game to get you into it to try it out it's an action rpg so it kind of appeals to to both sides. It has enough action going on to keep you engaged, and then you still have a good story. So this couldn't end up being, for my generation, Final Fantasy VII brought us into RPGs. This could be the thing that brings in this generation to RPGs, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I never thought of it like that, but that is mm-hmm. a really good closing thought. I almost don't want to ruin it. <laughs> um, so we were able to talk about Final Fantasy for an hour. If you've listened this far, please, you know, send us your thoughts, whether it's via Twitter at High Sensitivity Gaming or emailing us at High Sensitivity Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, just let us know what you feel. And if uh, after this game, you, after hearing this, 
you decide to play this game, I'd love to know your thoughts about everything too. Like if you listen to us and you don't care that we spoiled everything and you still play the game, I'd really love to know the thoughts of people who, you know, waited to hear what the ending was before playing it. Cause that's probably one of the most interesting group of people who would yeah. decide to play this game after knowing everything. You're monsters. That's what you are. I, I don't <laughs> want to say monsters. <laughs> it's the same people who watch games played online. You know, they watch YouTube videos of people playing games because they want to okay. see the story, but don't want to play. That, yeah. That makes no sense to me, <laughs> especially with it. games like this. Yep. That you, I, you I know, know a few people who do that and I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but Again, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully uh, an entire talk of Final Fantasy didn't scare you away. And the podcast will go back to regular um, after uh, for the next episode. Yep. So uh, just do your uh, just hope you guys are being safe there during the whole sickness. And hopefully this provides you with a little bit of fun. Uh, stay safe and see you guys later. See you later.